Hello and welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East and this is a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who has experienced a pivot or change in life. I call these pivots redirections. And at some point or another, we all go through them. And so I wanted to sit down with people who have made it through these transitions well in order to glean wisdom for myself and share that wisdom with you. Today, we continue our Forbes 30 Under 30 series and we're joined by Taylor Stern. Taylor was... Uh, real pleasure to have on the show. She has a lot of energy. Um, I think you'll laugh quite a bit, but she talks about how she transitioned from being a college intern to ultimately finding her way, willing her way, I think, into working with some massive organizations and events and ultimately with the Dallas Cowboys as their social media manager, which is a incredible position that she used well and had some amazing success with. Uh, and then she also talks about what she's up to now as she transitions out of that role and the courage it took to leave and walk away from that. If you want to find out more about Taylor and what she's up to, you can find her information in the show notes down below. And if you haven't subscribed to the show or given it a rating, please do so on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, it would be much appreciated. And let's just go ahead and jump into this one with Taylor Stern. Taylor, pleasure to meet you. Thank you for joining us today. I'm honored. I truly am. I mean, I'm just a huge East family fan. And so to get to talk to you is fun. <laughs> well, let me really tell am. you, it's an honor to be talking to what many would say a TikTok famous, uh, you know, celebrity here. You saw it? I, I saw you it. Saw it <laughs> yeah, I did. I was one of the many, many millions. But uh, it, okay. okay, so we'll link this down below, but it is a gold video. I'll let you describe it. Well, I'm back home in Denver right now currently, and I feel like every time I come back here, because I live in Dallas, but my parents are here in Denver, and every time I come back here, I'm like, well, maybe it's time to do another TikTok, because my dad, and we call him Johnny Boy, he just lends himself to this piece of content so easily, and then my sister, she was in musical theater for years and years and years, and like, she's a musician in Nashville, actually, and so when Tiger King first came out, she drove from Nashville to Dallas, and then I drove from Dallas to Denver and we all kind of like stayed here at their house for two months and everybody was watching Tiger King that first week. Right, you right. remember like it was like the thing to watch yeah and I kind of looked over at my mom and I was like this is really awkward but she looks exactly like Carol Baskin and then Alex has this like kind of like bob haircut and I was like all right she'll be you know Joe Exotic and those were the two key players that we needed and then myself and Johnny Boy, we just kind of filled where we could. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it took commitment, but we were there for it. Recreated the, the Tiger King characters in a lot of ways. I'll, I'll link it down below because you should check it out. It's great. Your dad actually oh. was my personal favorite for sure. Well, I'll tell him that because no clothing was purchased. It all came from their closets. That's concerning. We could talk about that later. Um, yeah. But I, speaking of your parents, I love to give people an understanding of where someone like you came yeah. from set the foundation what was your upbringing like so my upbringing uh, was very unique I told you that they live in Denver but they used to live in New Mexico and that's where I grew up so how many people have you met from New Mexico actually not a lot somebody randomly moved there from Indiana that I know but that's really? it yeah yeah so and I say that because it's such a unique place I feel like no one ever knows anyone there so I feel like that does give me a lot of my background and it's kind of like my I guess my backbone of some sorts is like I always was used to kind of being a little bit different or quirky, if you would. And then I went to college there 
And when I was in college, I really got into sports and sports broadcasting and kind of doing sports social media, which was super new at that time, which is crazy to think about. And then I went from New Mexico to Dallas, but all the way going before that, Johnny Boy and Leslie, they are our kings and queens. My sister and I just absolutely adore them. And I think that's really cool for you to understand now as a new parent, because truthfully, I really, I think I was thinking about this earlier. I wholeheartedly believe that I, the only reason I am successful, if you would, in quotations, is because of my parents. 100%. I just get like, I get chills thinking about it now where someone actually said this, they said like the, the older and, and wiser you get, like the more you realize that you're not really uh, responsible for any success or talent. Like it's just not nothing that I did really. The only thing I did was not mess it up. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. to your point, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Cause I think like when you look at, like, I was thinking about this, like the most successful people I know, and you kind of been around the same types of people, especially athletes. A lot of times athletes, they're only successful is because the fact that their family was willing to either sacrifice so much or just push them to do it. It all stems from the family background and that can be good or bad. Like if you had a bad family background, you may inside of yourself be like, I have to do everything opposite of that. So that's just what I kind of think is the root of it all. You call your dad Johnny boy? Yeah. He's, he's such a Johnny boy. Like it's, <laughs> it's almost painful. He's, we used to call him Johnny Bravo back in the day. And this is so sad. He's going to be angry. I'm saying this. He used to have a lot more hair. God bless him. He's still a very handsome man. But you know, when Johnny Bravo, remember that cartoon that had the, Oh like, man, great hair. hair. Yeah. So now he's just Johnny boy. Okay. I gotcha. Uh, I don't imagine that they did social media, your parents. No, Johnny Boy is the pilot for United, and then my mom was a teacher. She's retired since. Okay, so you're at University of New Mexico. I'm trying to think of other outstanding alumni. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, is that right? No, he went to uh, Nevada, but you are in the same uh, conference. Brian Erlacher. Oh! Back the woods. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Brian Erlacher, let's see. Danny Granger for your uh, Pacers. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you, how how did you, uh, where did your love of sports begin? Okay, so this is super funny because you live in Nashville, so you understand the whole music realm. And like when you're in music, you're in music. So growing up, okay, so my sister is two years younger than me. And when she was little, we got a karaoke machine and everyone discovered, oh, Alex can sing. Alex is a really good singer. So that left me to be like the not good singer and the mm-hmm. non-music musical mm-hmm. sister. And so my grandfather, he actually lives with us here too in Denver. It's just like a little family compound, no big deal. Okay. And um, he was really into sports and he was the New Mexico High School Coaches Association like director guy. So anytime my parents were busy with my sister, they would he would take me to tennis or like I did swim team. I just did any sport that would let a 5'2 person, you know, in. Now, I was never skilled. I did not have much rhythm, so I could never have been a gymnast or anything like that. But I got into sports, and I just kind of loved the storytelling aspect of it, of the fact that, like, everybody's coming from different backgrounds, but then you get, and everybody has their own playing field on the same playing field, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And so I got into sports my senior year. um, I was going to try out for cheerleading, 
at the University of New Mexico did not make it, uh, which is such a blessing in disguise, because then my parents said, we still have to have a job. So I called up my grandfather and I was like, hey, do you know anyone at like the UNM Athletics Department? And they gave me my own little segment called like Taylor's Time Out. And I was just like having the best time of my life. And that's when I really found my niche as far as sports social media. So that's kind of how I got into social media was my grandfather. Was and also because you got cut or from sports and social media. Also because yeah, that's a whole yeah. other story. <laughs> um, no rhythm app, literally no rhythm. It's hilarious. I would have loved to have seen a video of me trying out. It would have been so embarrassing. Did you cheerlead before this? No, that's see again. This is the reason that my parents are as incredible as they are. So my entire, I guess, sports life had been tennis only. So I'd only done tennis. And then my senior year, I'm like, hey, I think it'd be really fun to do cheerleading for some random reason. I have no idea. And I go into my parents' room and I'm like, hey, I think I'm going to try out for you to cheer. And honestly, I think it was because I had seen a girl who graduated like two years before me. I was like, if she can do it, I can do it. Like, you know, it just felt like, why not? So my parents being the awesome people there, they're like, okay. So they just signed me up to a class. Now, this is the embarrassing part. I'm 17 years old at this time. There are no club, like cheerleading clubs that would let me in at their age because everybody who was 17 was super good. Right. So I was cheerleading with like eight and nine-year-olds on this wow. cheer team just to get experience. And so then, you know, I go to the tryouts. I don't make it. But honestly, it was just the journey of it that was pretty fun. So when I uh, played in my first game, that's when I really, my first game in the NFL is when I really like fully reflected back on like, okay, how did I get yeah. here? Like what, what did I do? And then that's when I realized I didn't do anything. And I was like thinking about my parents and I gave my dad the jersey that I wore in that game and I wrote on it, thank you for allowing me to believe that like anything is possible. Because to, like, cause it sounds like our parents are similar in the sense of, hey, you can you could probably do anything you wanted to like you probably yeah. need to practice at it if you expect to be good but like we're not going to tell you no um not in like a reckless way but i'm just so fortunate that i had parents that would sacrifice whatever needed to be sacrificed like work a second job or whatever to help me try different things out and then ultimately i don't know i guess i guess football to some degree, like panned out. Thanks to, thanks to them being like that. But, uh, that was a side note. Sorry for the tangent. No, no, that's, yeah. that's such a true story because, and you brought up a good point. Think about those times in our lives where we do reach these like peaks, if you would, mm -hmm. you always are thinking about those people who've lifted you up to get there. And so yeah. I think that's a really awesome point is, you know, a lot of people would think, Oh, when you get these high achievements or these high awards that you're thinking about yourself, but, I've always noticed it's like on the journey, of course, you're thinking about, hey, how can I do this? Yeah, yeah. Pushing yourself forward. But when you actually get there, it's everybody else who helped you get there that you think of. Yeah, yeah, I, that's powerful. But what did you study at University of New Mexico? I studied multimedia journalism. So it was kind of at that new age because we're around the same age. So right when I was in college, I think we were all past Facebook. And then we started realizing like, okay, you could put a brand on Facebook and this could be good marketing that's free. And so multimedia journalism was like the first degree of that. Wow. Tell us how you went from doing 
New Mexico's social media for their athletic division to Dallas Cowboys? Okay, so this does actually come back to Johnny Boy and Les again. So Johnny Boy being a pilot, I knew that I could volunteer anywhere and I could fly out there. And as long as I could find like a La Quinta or someplace to stay, I was there. So I started, I guess, like my sophomore year, I would say probably the Mountain West Conference Championships were the first things I really started volunteering at. And I would call them up and be like, hey, I'm Taylor Stern. I go to UNM. I work in the athletics department here. Um, I'm really into social media. I could probably help you with your social media. And so they started just allowing me like to come there. And it's really funny because I ended going to two BCS national championships in 2013, 2014. And I literally was running the Rose Bowl social media. Like now wow. that seems crazy to think about because it's such a powerful device. But at the time they're like, Hey, no one's using this Twitter. Can you do it? And I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> and so I, you know, get all this great experience at like the college world series, BCS. I'm trying to think where else. Let's see. It would have been, yeah, I guess those were all the different events. Literally, I never went on a spring break. I just would volunteer. So then my senior year, I started applying for jobs, and I was, had all of this bowl game experience. And so the Cotton Bowl was hiring somebody who, in, like, a communications manager realm. So that's how I came down to Dallas. So there's two things that stand out based off what you just said. The first is your willingness to volunteer. And I don't know what – I would love for you to expand on that. The second is your uh, courage to reach out and like ask these organizations, these events, these schools or whoever was in charge to like, Hey, can I help you out? I want to hear more about that because that's really unique in a lot of ways. So I think the volunteering thing comes from the fact that I had the support of my family knowing I didn't need to get paid. Mm-hmm. but knowing that I needed to get that experience on my resume. And it's so funny to think of resumes now. Cause like in college, it's literally just like your GPA and that's it. Right. But I knew that I needed to pad it as much as I could, especially because, and you'd probably understand this because I was going to a smaller school. Now, yes, it's a division one school, but it's not a power five conference school. So I knew that ESPN or any of these major networks were not going to be coming to UNM anytime soon. And to get that type of experience to compete with somebody from an Alabama or something like that, I had to go to these major events. So I just kind of like tapped into that pretty early on. And then you're saying about the fact that I was just reaching out to them. Yeah. Like, like some people don't have that capability. Yeah. But I mean, I think I thought, okay, what's the worst they could tell me? Like they could literally just respond and be like, sorry, we're all full. They could not respond. Wouldn't care either. And then the only people who knew was like me and them because I had just emailed them. I wasn't announcing it anywhere. And then that was kind of just like, okay, let me just try and just put myself out there because I think a lot of young kids don't. And so I knew that was an advantage. Wow. Hats off to you, Taylor. That's, that's really (laughs) awesome. Um, let me set, so, so then that allows you the opportunity to go, and be with the Dallas Cowboys for six years. Now, I'm going to try to set the stage based off of what I know in in my five years of, well, in my five years of being in the NFL, 
what the job of like a social media, the social media manager look like? Cause it's not easy. The job that you have, you got a bunch, you got, you know, 50 or 80, uh, athletes who don't really care about anything else than lifting weights or being on the practice field. There's a select mm-hmm. few that like have that public facing desire, I guess, that love doing interviews and love doing content. But you from, from what I know would like really have to put an effort into, into asking and like kind of not being annoying, but like you, you really have to put yourself out there and like grab these guys anytime you can. Am am I summarizing that appropriately? No, you're absolutely (laughs) accurate. I guess it goes back to the fact that I was willing to email these people. Like, I don't, I really have no fear of rejection and I don't know what, where that stems from. I think it's because I just assume it will work out if it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And so um trying to think about like, so, but to back up before I got to the Cowboys, you know, I was at the Cotton Bowl and the Cotton Bowl is a college football game and it was an AT&T stadium. And um, it was a kind of like a glorified internship, but I was pretty certain I was going to be there for like three or five years. Like I crushed the season I was there. I was like coming up with new social campaigns that they never done. And I'll never forget it. It was like March 3rd of uh, 2015. And I knew that my contract for this like glorified internship was coming up. So I get, then my boss comes up to me at like 4 PM in the afternoon. He's like, Hey, Rick Baker really wants to speak with you, which Rick Baker is the president of the Cotton Bowl. And I was like, Oh, here it is. Here's the big promotion. Like try not to smile too big. Like this is going to be, you know, stay humble, like all these different things. And so I go into Rick's office and he's like, Hey, you have been so great this year. And I'm like, all right, here it is. Yeah. And he's like, but we don't have actually room for you this next season. And I was like, what? And uh... yeah, it's, it crushed me. But at the time I was watching scandal. And so the show <laughs> and Olivia Pope in that show was like, just such a, boss she had such a hoss hoss attitude and i was like olivia pope wouldn't cry don't cry in this moment so i'm just like so composed well literally like two days before that somebody had randomly sent me this dallas cowboy social media coordinator position wow and they were like hey are you interested in it and i was like no i'm not i would never work for an nfl team like i have no desire to do that wow and so yeah so then like two days later here i am without a job so two days later, I gotten that Cowboys thing sent to me and I was like, oh, no way. And then literally two days later, here I am where I'm like, okay, need to find a job, want to stay in Dallas. So I applied to the Cowboys. And honestly, I didn't think like my future was going to be in social media, but I was like, hey, I know how to do it really well. And I've done it for different, you know, high level brands. I could do it for the Cowboys. But I did not grow up a Cowboys fan. And I think actually that's the key of what you were asking is because when I was going up to these athletes, Jason Witten, Des Bryant, Tony at the time, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, all these different guys, I was like, I have no desire like to be like their fangirl. I just got to get my work done. Mm. So going up to them and asking them to do things, whether it be a little bit embarrassing or pushy, I was like, okay. Whereas I've seen different people that I've worked with, like, if you're a huge fan, it's a little bit harder, but I wasn't really like a fan girl of anyone. Wow. I'm curious because I admire 
your perspective on social media. You view it differently than most people, I assume, where like a lot of people view social media as strictly something to consume. I want to know your perspective and how, how you approach social media, social media. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that because honestly, I do look at it so differently because I think it's a way and we've seen it now in 2020 where you can literally be connected with somebody. Here I am in Denver, you're in Nashville. Like we can be as connected as possible via the internet. And then of course, through social media where you can project these storylines and these messages. And I think that's the real power of it is like, you know, some of the really cool projects I've done in my career, it's I've used social media as kind of the vessel to get it there, but I don't focus on social media as the hassle. Because I think a lot of times if you hear people, they're like, oh, I can't do social. Well, they're so focused on social media instead of actually focusing on the message or what they're trying to deliver to people. And I think if you focus back on this, like what's your why and why are you doing this? And this is just the avenue of how to get it to as many people as possible, then you're actually gonna be more successful. Wow, preach Taylor. Preach, preach. I'm just kind of a nerd, so maybe that's just it. I don't know. Um, summarize your time in Dallas. I would love to hear. We have we've made mutual friends yes. through Kelsey Lawrence and Brody Smith, and uh, Dallas Cowboys are, I think, last time I checked, like one of the strongest sports brands in the entire world of any sport. Um, I'm curious how you how your experience there was. My experience was incredible. And obviously, you know, I just walked away from six years and in the middle of a football season, which is pretty unique. And, and we can get to that in a second. But I guess when I'm thinking back of the Cowboys experience, I was very fortunate that they allowed me all of these different freedoms to do legitimately whatever I wanted. Um, and it's funny because, you know, here I am sitting here. It's 2020. I started in 2015. I'll never forget, you know, you know, Coach Garrett, because you played for the Redskins, so you'll know. Mm -hmm. So Coach Garrett, um, I walked up to him probably, I guess, because I started in April of 2015. May is Mother's Day time. And I knew I needed to do a Mother's Day graphic. And so I'm like, okay, well, we could just get a quote from Coach Garrett. That seems like super simple in my mind. And he's like, I walk up to him after an OTAs practice and I'm like, Hey coach, I'm Taylor Stern. I'm new here. I do social media. Like, could I just get a quick quote about your mom for this graphic? And I see him look at our director of PR and he's like, who is this chick? And he's like, Hey, so sorry, I don't do social media. Well, fast forward, you know, I'm there for how many years and he's about to leave. And I, you know, he was really, honestly, he was a nice guy, sometimes a little bit misunderstood in the media standpoint. But I shot him a text after he was going to leave to the Giants, and I said, hey, thanks so much. I know I always bugged you, but really appreciated you being open-minded. And he goes, who knows that all of these, you know, things that I never thought would be, you know, possible with social media, I find out about certain things like my job on social media. Oh, so, man. So that's a good summation of my time at the Cowboys because when I started in 2015, um, I think a lot of people were still like, why is this a full-time job? And now everyone understands social media is king. It's everything. It is, it is amazing in the, like your window of time there. These sports organizations, like when I first signed with the Raiders, 
nobody yeah. took it seriously, but it is, it is, you know, as our president has shown us the, the most important way to connect or the most powerful way to connect and like get the voice of the brand out there. And like, it's, it is amazing. And it's cool that you were a part of that, that you led that for such a huge organization as the Cowboys, you know? Thank you. Yeah. When I think you've seen it, I mean, the power that can be is when you are as vulnerable as you can be, and that can be a good or a bad thing. Like yeah, you'll really resonate with other people. And so I always tried to do that with the Cowboys brand. Because I think for so many, like you mentioned, they viewed it as such an unapproachable thing. And it's really not. It's just another football team. It's just been able to brand itself so separately. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of yeah, unique. Yeah. Tell us about the decision to walk away from that. <sighs> you know, is that it's, it's the kind of thing, I'm sure it's very similar to when you decided to be done with football. Because I think you just reach a point, and this happens in a lot of different things in your life, um, I reached a point where I just realized, okay, I don't want to say I was hitting a ceiling cause I don't really like that phrasing, but I knew that I had finished my time there. I knew that I had accomplished as much as I'd wanted to accomplish. And thank God again for 2020, which sounds so odd because it has been such a challenging year for so many. But I think when I came back here, maybe Tiger King was the pinnacle of it all, but I realized like, Hey, what are my values? So I literally took pen and paper and I wrote down my values and family was the top one. And I love sports as I've told you, and I, I still am going to work in sports of some degree, but um, I realized, Hey, unfortunately the NFL has taken me away from my family for a long time. And it got really challenging to kind of justify like missing Thanksgiving, missing Christmas, all for kind of like everything I've already done. And so really in the spring, I was just like, okay, I've, I've got to find a new job. And I started looking and I couldn't find anything that felt right. Like nothing felt like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like I remember the Nuggets had an open position and I was like, well, it's in Denver, but I don't really want to be working for the Nuggets. And all these things just kind of started feeling like, well, maybe I could do my own thing. And I've always had my own LLC, but I've never really like pursued it because I just felt like, well, that's, you know, I don't know if that's what I want to do. But then finally, once the season started, and I was just like, you know what? Like, I love it, but I really don't know if I can do this anymore. And I think when I really realized it was after the Cowboys beat the Falcons in that, like, you know, last second field goal. Normally, a win like that would have, like, just got me so hyped for the rest of the week. Hey, we got to do this X, Y, and Z content. And I came home and I was like, why am I feeling so weird? And again, took pen to paper and I was like, okay, I feel fake. I feel dishonest. I feel like I'm kind of like putting up this mirage because on social media, if you would have looked that day, I looked like Cowboys queen. Like, I was like, look at us, Super Bowl bound. Like nothing's going to stop this team. But I felt fake about that because that's not how I felt really inside. And so I just was like, hey, like I've got to take a new path, do a little course correction because I'd also felt like I'd lost a lot of my identity there um, for so long. Like I told you, I wasn't a Cowboys fan, but then here I was like, that was my everything. So I just took it back and, and I'm going to go do my own thing now. Wow. Uh, the, the thoughtful, I think again, to your credit, one invaluable thing that you did was 
be thoughtful enough to pause and reflect on who you are, what you want your life to look like and what was going wrong at the moment. I feel like it is so easy and I do this all the time to just blast through life and like you're just checking Mm -hmm. off, oh, here's your to-do list. This is what you have to do this, like, you know, today, this week, this month, this year. And then it's like, oh, you don't actually stop and and reflect. And so it's awesome that you did that. Uh, you, you're now stepping into kind of this unknown and you're in the, the crux of it right now. What is, how are you feeling? I'm hyped. Like I, I told someone <laughs> this the other day, I'm, I feel reignited of some degree. Like, I feel like I did so many great things that are going to build this foundation of me for me to be successful into this next chapter but I'm so excited. Mm. And I think what I'm so excited about is like for the first time, and this sounds silly because I've told you different stories where you would have thought that, Oh, she has so much self-confidence, but for the first time I'm like, no, I know I can do this. Mm. And for so long, I kind of did all the things that I felt like I had to like, Oh, if I'm going to go in sports, I have to do this. I have to do this. Or, Hey, here's, you know, the way I have to go. And honestly, that was great. And I did feel like I kind of paved my own path at some degree, but it was a path that other people have walked before. And so now I'm so excited because I'm like, I get to go down and do my own thing. And for someone like you who has a young daughter, it's like, honestly, right now, all I'm thinking about is because I'll get DMs sometimes from girls that are like, hey, how'd you get into sports? I want to work for the Cowboys. And as much as I want them to follow in my footsteps, I really want more people and more young women to blaze their own trails and to focus on what they can do and what is their unique thing because timing of our lives is everything. Mm. You know, again, when I first started, Erin Andrews was the queen. She was the one who everyone looked up to. And while she is incredibly awesome, she didn't have social media when she was first starting. I did. I was able to lean into that. And so it's just so, I'm so focused on people listening to themselves. Wow. That's awesome. What are your goals? Very pastor like these. You know, you, you mentioned you mentioned kind of the effect that you want to have, but what are your goals career wise? Career wise is an interesting one because again, I don't know if I would be where I'm at five years ago if I would have thought that. I think my goal is honestly to just keep as true to myself as possible. And again, that's falling again back on my values. Um my goals nowadays really seem to be, I just, I just want to be happy. I know that sounds so ridiculous, but I think that that is kind of like my North star, if you would. Like, I just want to make sure that I'm always checking in with myself and saying, Hey, am I genuinely happy because this makes me happy or am I doing this because it makes others happy? And for a while, most of my career felt like that. And so right now that those are my goals. I don't really have any tangible things like, Hey, I want to have, you know, 10,000 followers here. I don't really do that because I think that's all in flux. Um, and it all is kind of like, as we've seen, we did not make that tiger King video because we ever thought it would be successful. We just did it because it was making us happy to dress up when we were all just in sweats for the past five days. So I think it's just focusing on what my gifts are and making sure that I stay true to that because I know there could be a point within these next, you know, couple of years where I might 
sacrifice that. And I just really want to come back to that. You have some good things to share, Taylor. You kind of you. just gave, I mean, that was phenomenal advice you just gave, but I'm curious when you look back over your career and where, what you've done to get to where you are today, uh, what are three pieces of advice that you could share with the audience? Either things people have told you or things that you've experienced um, that, that they might connect with. Okay. First, I think is trust what you're good at. You know, know that what you're good at is going to be different than what I'm good at. And so I think we all have a general sense of what we are good at. And so I say that is like, I didn't think at first I was good at social media. I felt like it kind of came naturally, but then I realized, okay, it's actually something I'm good at and it can be a career and trust it. Because if, when, when I first started, a lot of people kind of wanted to talk me out of it and they're like, Hey, but you don't make much money doing that. Or that's like something that, you know, a mom could post on Facebook and all that stuff. But I was like, no, I think I'm really good at this. Like, I mm. think I could do social campaigns and different things like that. So trust what you're good at is number one. Number two is timing of our lives. Again, like I mentioned, when I first started, it was Erin Andrews. Well, Erin Andrews had a different time of her life than I did. And I think when I look back on it, if I just focus more on the timing of my life and knowing that that was how it was meant to go, I was super devastated after the Cotton Bowl thing. And I kind of downplayed it on here. But I was really upset and I felt like my whole plan that I'd set for myself was just completely derailed. But really, that was because it was supposed to pivot me to this Cowboys career, which I never would have gone for. So trust the timing of your life. And lastly, um, surround yourself with people who believe in you more than you believe in yourself. Because that is Johnny Boy and Les all the way. And so make sure that the people who are around you truly wholeheartedly want to level you up to some degree and you feel like you have too many people around you that are kind of I guess pushing you down or, or making you think less of yourself just get out of that because you always find the people who truly do believe in you wow so dropping some bombs Taylor listen you've accomplished so much you were Forbes 30 under 30 you won an Emmy uh, you were a Huggies commercial baby, as it says in your bio. Sure. Um, yeah. you've won a lot of, and earned a lot of accolades. I'm curious, what are you most proud of that you've accomplished? It could be not an award. It could be something else. Yeah. Right. The, the Huggies commercial baby, again, props to Johnny Boy and Les, like really <laughs> let's just give it hats off to them all day, but they're the ones who I guess got contacted when my dad was in the air force at the car Springs and they said like, Hey, you can make some money if you bring your daughter up to Denver, which kind of sounds like child pimping, but it wasn't okay. <laughs> it was a completely normal and justified action by them. So did that. That was hilarious. It does suck though now because that was back in the day and age nineties where nothing was on film. They don't have footage of it. You so sometimes I, I kind of wow. feel like a liar at times. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like me. Um, the Forbes thing, super awesome. And that was a really cool moment for my career. Again, it was one of those where you think about like, wow, this isn't because of me. Yeah. This is because of everyone else. Yeah. The Emmy thing was incredible. Love Dak Prescott. And it was for a documentary we did on him, but I felt like it was Dak's thing. 
So to go back to that, and actually it's funny because we do have Kelsey in common, is a thing I did for the cheerleaders, and this might have been a couple of years before she got there, but it was called DCC Defined. And what it was is that... Which is Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders for you non-Cowboys fans. DCC is Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. I do say it like it's just not normal. (laughs) It is not. Because like one time my mom was like, Dallas Country Club? I was like, no, it's the cheerleaders, mom. (laughs) Come on. And uh, so I got on this project. They do this thing called cameo shoots. So I'm sure you saw the picture where like Kelsey's like posed and it's like a photo that's above her locker. So they do that. And I guess before they had done some social media content there. So my boss calls me and he's like, we have cameos tomorrow at 8 a.m. Like, can you get together some ideas? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Like in less than 12 hours. Like, okay. So I called my sister, who's super creative. And I was like, hey, Al, what should I do with the cheerleaders? Like, I'm, I guess I have them for like five or 10 minutes and they're going to be like in their full uniform. What should I do? And she, being as wise as she is, she's like, hey, the cheerleaders are people that are so unapproachable, unattainable. Like, I just feel like they're not really human. Like, can you just ask them some human questions? And I was like, okay, like, sure. I'm not going to ask Kelly Finglass, who's their director, because she's really scary. But, like, I'm just going to go for it. And no one can tell me otherwise. So I put together these, like, 14 questions. And their question is like, Describe the woman that you want to be. When do you feel your most confident? Who inspires you the most? Um, when do you, you know, like, I guess it was just like really personal questions. Never had met any of these women. They come and they sit down and they had just been doing something for the Jumbotron where they were being asked, like, who takes the longest to get ready? <laughs> and so they were like used to that. And <laughs> they sit down and I'm like, hi, I'm Taylor. Describe the woman you want to be. And I could just see all of them like, what? Did you? Did she mean to ask us this? And not any knock to them, but they were just not used to people actually caring about their brains. And that does sound sad, but they're brilliant women. They all come from different backgrounds. Some of them were, you know, pre-med. They all have to juggle different jobs because unlike football, they don't make enough being cheerleaders mm-hmm. to actually suffice a full-time career. So we put together these videos when they're crying. Some of them are crying, talking about, you know, their moms that have passed away and how they want to honor them. When I asked them, like, when do you feel the most confident? I thought a lot of them would just say like, oh, when I'm dancing on the field. But like, no, they were like, hey, when I don't have any makeup on and I'm just chilling with my husband, that's when I feel the most confident. I was like, this is what we need to hear. And so we put together this series of videos. And honestly, the reason I'm most proud of it is because I didn't do it for the views. There's a lot of different content that during my time there, I can wholeheartedly tell you, I only did it for the reaction. I only did it because I knew it would go viral. And this was one that I didn't do and it didn't go viral. It didn't get the views and everything that I wanted to because we ended up like not being able to post it until March. And so, you know, no one really cares now on football season. Right. right. But for me, it felt so cool because I could send it to different women or I could send mm-hmm. it and be like, Hey, these girls that you think like are untouchable, they're just like you. And they have the same insecurities. They have the same situations they feel like. So truthfully out of all the accolades, it's the DCC defined project. Wow. That's an awesome story. Um, I think my daughter drew has many reasons to look up to you, Taylor. 
Uh, I'm Thank impressed. You. That's a compliment. I'm impressed with your uh, ambition, with your courage to leave a job uh, in the midst of a pandemic. You know, that says something about you. Uh, and I'm excited for what's next for you. It's an honor to talk to, to you, and I appreciate you giving us the time. Uh, if you listening want to find out more about Taylor uh, and what she's up to, she's soon to be launching a podcast called Thriving in the Wild. Tell us about that. Yes, yes. So I know, you know, we'll have to do some podcast fun. But <laughs> yeah, so I just decided I love sports and I'm staying in sports of some degree. But the Thriving in the Wild concept came from the fact that a lot of the different sports people I meet, and you know this to be true, they've all had a moment in their life where they were thriving in the wild or stepping into the unknown, similar to what I'm doing. And somehow they found a way to actually thrive in that. And it all comes back to like mindset or different things. So the Thriving in the Wild podcast is going to be kind of like, how can we not just survive life, but try to thrive in it as well? And when we go down these different paths or get these right and left turns, we actually can see, you know, this is where we are meant to go and how we can go down this one with grace and excitement and all of the things. So some of the people I've already recorded some interviews with is one of my dear friends, Emmanuel Acho from Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's super great. We had done a show together like four years ago. So yeah, so this podcast, it'll be starting in November or I don't know, whenever this comes out. November of this year and it's honestly like really exciting passion project of mine because I'm not doing it with any hopes of like making money or monetizing it it's just to do it because I'm interested in the stories so then I'll have this outlet of doing that and being able to share these awesome stories with people of like hey the craziness that is our lives like that's when you find the real good stuff of who you are or who the people are around you that's when life gets good. Well, then, you know, working on my other stuff to kind of like, you know, feed myself. But that's that. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Taylor, yeah. I am. Uh, I'm so excited that you are going to be sharing your message more. You have some awesome stuff to share. Uh, this was an awesome thank conversation. You. And I thank you for giving me the time. Well, thank you so much. And honestly, you telling me that I am a role model to your daughter is the most full circle moment of mine because your wife and your daughter's mom was such a role model to me and my wow. sister. She, she was the nineties queen, the got milk poster we all know and love. So yeah, thank you for saying. That. Yeah. Well, thank you, Taylor. I look forward to, I look forward to what's next. Yes. I'm excited. 